He is risen. This morning, we want to proclaim the wonderful news that Jesus Christ died, rose again, ascended into heaven, and is returning in bodily form to this earth. And there is great and wonderful practical news in association with those events. There is a lot of sorrow that is associated with the death of a loved one. There are numerous reasons for sorrow. There is sorrow that stems from the unknown, the uncertainty of what takes place after a person dies. There is association that is associated with the concern that our departed loved one is missing out on some of the wonderful events of this life. But lastly, and most intensely, there is the sorrow of our loved one having been taken from us. The difficulty of no longer being with them, sharing life and all the experiences together. Have you ever wondered what one could possibly say to try to ease the sorrow, the grief, the discomfort that one experiences when they've lost the death of a loved one? Words seem to fail. And yet we are given a portion of Scripture that tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4.18, encourage one another with these words. King James, comfort one another with these words. They are comfort concerning the death of a loved one. But I would not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, that you sorrow like those who have no hope. So this morning, our theme is words of comfort to ease a Christian's sorrow over the death of a loved one. Words of comfort to ease a Christian's sorrow over the death of a loved one. First, comfort concerning the uncertainty of what happens after a person dies. Paul is associating and addressing the sorrow that is in keeping with a people's death. Notice verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep. Asleep here is a euphemism for death. We've all seen people that have died lying in a casket. And sometimes as people walk by, they say such things as, don't they look peaceful? They look like they're asleep. The Word of God uses sleep as a euphemism for those that have died. Their bodies are placed in a grave. But they are not truly asleep in the sense of soul sleep. Their body 
is asleep, but their soul is very, very wide awake. They are conscious. And they are with the Lord. So it's comfort for those that have just been placed in a tomb. Comfort concerning the physical death of a loved one. The comfort which Paul writes of is a comfort that is unique to Christians. It is a comfort to Christians about Christians. Notice in verse 13 that Paul is writing to fellow Christians. For it says in verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Or ESV, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. The goal is that we as Christians would not sorrow over the death of our loved ones in the same way that non-believers grieve. Notice the reason. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them who are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. Or that you be uninformed, that you may not grieve as others who do not have a hope. This is written not to rebuke anyone who is sorrowing with great sorrow. For the passage is clearly given to us in verse 18, not as a rebuke, but as a means of comfort. It's to encourage people who are sorrowing that there is no need for such sorrow. There is no reason for such sorrow. Now, there's always reason for sorrow, but a sorrow that's different from those that have no hope. The sorrow of the Christian is far different than the world's sorrow when they are placing a loved one in the ground. The reason for that sorrow is different. Not because the loved one of a believer is any less important. Rather, the sorrow is less because we have a reason for comfort. We have a reason for what is described here as a hope. We sorrow not as those who have no hope. We have a hope, they do not. The hope is not simply wishful thinking. Hope here is a sure confidence. Hope is that things are going to be better. That there's a brighter tomorrow. Though things look bleak now, there is something far better in the offing and in the future. We have a hope. And what makes the difference between Christians and non-Christians and the degree of the sorrow is the belief in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our hope. We as Christians are believers in the death and resurrection of Christ. Non-Christians do not believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of our comfort centers on that hope that confidence that Jesus Christ is risen again. First, our own personal, individual belief in the death and resurrection of the Lord. Notice in verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
King James, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, it actually is a conditional sentence, but it's a third-class condition in Greek, which simply means that it is a condition which is assumed. Paul's writing to Christians. And so it is assumed. We believe in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a belief in a factual event. It is a belief in a historical truth. Our comfort about the death of a loved one is not simply our faith. It's not faith in faith. Our faith is not a placebo or a sugar pill. Better to believe something than nothing. It's not that at all. It is a faith in a truth, and that is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without that truth, the faith would be meaningless. Paul writes, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hope in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ is risen from the dead. That's the hope. Not wishful thinking, not faith in faith. If that's all we have, we're people to be pitied. But Christ is risen from the dead. And our belief in the death and resurrection of Christ includes a sure confidence not only in the fact of Jesus' death and resurrection, but also in what Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection. It is a belief that Jesus died for our sins. Paul writes, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached unto you, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised the third day. The good news is the reason that Jesus Christ died on the cross was to bear the punishment for our sins. The good news is that he was placed in a tomb. The good news is that he rose again, and in so doing, it proved that Jesus' payment for the penalty of our sin was accepted by God the Father. And he ascended into heaven and was welcomed into the presence of God the Father. The resurrection is proof that our sins are forgiven. Secondly, our comfort is based not only in our having per- placed our personal faith in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but that our departed loved one had also placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ before they died. For notice verse 14. The King James reads as follows. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, now these words, even so them also which sleep in Jesus. ESV, even so through Jesus, God will bring with them. It is those that have died in Jesus 
meaning that they died having placed their faith in Jesus Christ before they died. So this comfort is reserved for Christians who believe in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ concerning those who have died having believed in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For it is believing in Jesus' death and resurrection that a person is saved. Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved. So let me just say something very practical to you this morning. If you want to have comfort at the death of a loved one, Be confident, be sure of their having placed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I talk to people and I'll ask them about some of their loved ones and I'll say, do they know the Lord? And the response sometimes is, I hope so. I'm not quite certain. I'm not sure if they really placed their faith in Christ in a saving way. I would just urge you this morning, if you have a loved one in your family and you say, I'm not sure if they ever placed faith in a saving way in the Lord Jesus Christ, then be sure. Go to them. Talk to them. Explain it to them. For our comfort in sorrow is our mutual faith in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The source of Christians' confidence in knowing what happens after a person dies is the Word of God. Notice, the Christian can be informed. Know with certainty what happens after a person dies. Verse 13, I do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers. The source of the knowledge is the Word of God. Verse 15, For this we say unto you by the Word of the Lord, Or ESV, for this we declare to you by the word from the Lord. God and God alone speaks with authority concerning what happens after a person dies. You want to know what happens after a person dies? Go to the scriptures. Go to the Bible. You see, the Christian's hope is far different from that of the world. We sorrow not like others, for we aren't uncertain about what takes place. We know what takes place because God has revealed it to us. Non-believers are casting about, looking for answers, looking for some authoritative source to answer their nagging questions about what happens after a person dies. Is there life? Is there consciousness? What happens? What will take place? Some consult mediums. Some consult tarot uh, tarot cards. Others put stock in stories of people that have said to have died and come back to life to tell us what it's like. But all of these sources 
are misleading and unsatisfying. As Christians, we have the comfort of trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his word to teach us the truth of what will happen next. The instruction that we are going to receive this morning comes from the scriptures. And as the scriptures, it is the word of God. Number two, the words of comfort to ease the sorrow associated with a concern that our departed love is missing out on all the God good things of life. This is especially true when we think of a death of a young person. When a young person dies, we hear such things as, it's a shame. There is so much of life that they have missed out on. It's so many of the good things in life they don't experience. If they're young enough, graduation from high school. Or maybe they have died before they were married. Or if they were married, maybe they died before they had children. Or if they had children, maybe they died before they could see those children married. Or maybe they died before they could see their grandchildren. And on and on, as we think about life's great events and the things that they do not experience because they have died. And so we think and speak of the comfort that's associated with a person dying in a good old age. We say, well, at least they died at an old age and they have lived a full and meaningful life. And by that we mean, well, at least they got to graduate. At least they got to get married. At least they had the children. Or maybe even God so blessed them they could see their their grandchildren or maybe even their great-grandchildren. I in no way this morning want to belittle or to minimize the sorrow that's associated with the death of a young person. That's not what I'm about this morning. We don't want to minimize, but we want to ease. We want to comfort. What is that ease and what is that comfort? That is that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is comfort of knowing that our loved one who has died is in the presence of the Lord, which is far better at any age. Notice, our loved ones who have died are with the Lord. Verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. They're with the Lord. Their body may be in a grave, may be cremated, but their soul is with God. Our soul is our real essence. Our soul is our real being. 
Our, our soul is the essence of our life. That's our emotion, our will, our intellect. You see a person in a casket. Their body is there, but their soul is gone. You can't communicate with them. You can't have a relationship with them. They don't know what's taking place. Their body is in the ground eventually. But their soul, the essence of their being, is with God. And Paul writes concerning death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if anyone knew and was living for Christ, no matter what the age, it's always gain. It's always gain. It's always gain. And let me just say it simply this way. The most wonderful day on earth, the greatest day, if you had to look back and pick out one single day, one single event, what was the most important event in your life? What is that one day if, if you could go back you'd like to relive? What is that one day that you say to yourself, oh, I'm glad I didn't miss that. What is that one day? And whatever it is, that one day can't compare. That best day on earth can't compare to the worst day in heaven. It's always gain to die and be with the Lord. There is comfort concerning the future of our departed loved ones. Our loved ones that have died will not miss out on all the future events that are associated with Christ's return. There is nothing to regret that they have died before the Lord returns. We might say to ourselves as we are gathered at a graveside, oh, I wish they would have been here when the Lord returns. I wish they would not have missed out on that glorious day. I, 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 I wish, in hindsight, that we would have sung that, as a clo- that glorious day as a close to this, this message, for it fits so well with what that song had to say. It seems as though the Thessalonians believed that because their loved ones had died, that they would miss out on the future benefits associated with Christ's return to earth. So what will happen to the spirits of the departed loved ones when Jesus returns to earth? What happens to those spirits that are in his presence? Those disembodied spirits, body in the grave, spirit with him. What's going to happen to them in the future? Well, first, the spirits of the departed dead who have believed in Jesus, God will bring with him. Verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. The return of the Lord will not just be a wonderful event experienced only by those who are alive at that time. Verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So, what happens to us won't happen before it happens 
to those who have fallen asleep. They will not miss out on the events that will take place when the Lord returns to the earth. For the very first thing that will happen is that their bodies will be raised from the dead. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a, with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So as the Lord is returning, the first thing that happens is that those dead bodies that are placed in the tomb are going to be raised. There's going to be a reuniting of soul and spirit and body of those that have died knowing the Lord. They're going to come forth bodily from the grave. doesn't matter how long they've been in that grave. doesn't matter if they've been cremated. doesn't matter if they've been blown up by a terroristic bomb. doesn't matter what has happened to that body, how deteriorated it becomes. It's going to be brought forth from the dead. We say, well, how can that be? According to verse 16, it says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry. King James says, with a shout. Just like when Lazarus was in a tomb during Jesus' earthly ministry. If you can remember the story in John chapter 11, Lazarus had died. He'd been dead a few days. Jesus came to Mary and Martha, and Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? She said, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, who should come into the world. Jesus demonstrated that he was the resurrection and the life when he came to that tomb that Lazarus was in for a few days. And Jesus, it says with a loud voice, said, Lazarus, come forth. And the scripture reads as follows. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. He shouted. He gave a command. Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said unto him, unbind him and let him go. Just as Jesus commanded the dead body of Lazarus to come out of the tomb, when Jesus returns, as he's returning, he's going to command the dead bodies of those who have known the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior to come forth out of the grave. And those bodies are going to be raised and reunited with their spirit. Then what happens? The third area of comfort. The words of comfort to ease the sorrow that's associated with being separated from our loved ones forever. It's the comfort of knowing that we'll be with them again. Notice verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So those people that are still alive when Jesus returns, those people who are still body, soul, and spirit intact, they rise. Now there's much more that can be said about that that's not in our text. I'm not going there this morning. The point here is that we're reunited. 
were reunited together. The comfort of knowing that we will always be where the Lord is. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we go out to meet the Lord. Where the Lord goes, all the believers of all time go with him. What Jesus does, we all experience with him. The comfort of knowing that we will be with the Lord forever and ever and with each other forever and ever, never to be separated again. End of verse 17. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. There's so much more that could be said. There's so much more that needs to be said. There's so much more that we need to know in order for our sorrow to be eased. But the wonderful thing is that the Word of God has so much more to say. I just don't have time enough to expound it and go to all the other passages. There's so much more about what happens after the Lord returns. How he is going to set things right. How he's going to establish his kingdom, his rule. How he's going to create a new heaven, a new earth. All these wonderful events that are going to take place. But I leave you with this thought. Whatever happens in the future, wherever Jesus is, we are. And whatever he's doing, we're participating in. And whoever has died doesn't miss out. And the joy is that we experience it together and we experience it with him. So our conclusion is this Sunday, Easter, resurrection morning, is that we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. He died to bear the penalty of sin. He rose again so that we could be forgiven. He rose bodily from the grave He ascended into heaven, and he is coming again. When we die, our bodies placed in the grave, our spirits go to be with him. When he returns to come down to this earth, our bodies are raised. Those who are alive are caught up to meet him, and then he comes to earth and reigns forever and ever. As I said, that by no means exhausts the subject. But I hope that you can see that there's reason for hope. Because we don't have to have uncertainty like the world does because the word reveals to us what happens after a person dies. We don't have to be without hope like the world is because we have hope in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't have to sorrow like the world does, thinking that, well, we'll never see them again and we'll never be with them again, for we will see them again 
and will be with them forever and ever. So I ask you to meditate on these things if you are sorrowing over the death of a loved one. And I ask you to think seriously about whether or not this is your hope, your confidence. First, have you believed in the death and resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ? That's our hope of eternal life. That's our confidence that we'll be with him. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus, his death and resurrection, and you will be saved. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? And has your loved ones placed faith in Jesus Christ? As you think about the glories of the resurrection, think about the sorrow that's associated with not knowing whether or not your aunt, your uncle, your mom, your dad, sister, brother, doesn't know the Lord. Talk to them about the glories of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, all that he has accomplished for us. We thank you that we don't sorrow like those who have no hope, for we trust and believe in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I pray that you would help us to understand its significance more and more. Comfort us with a true and real comfort, not just wishful thinking. Give us certainty. Remove doubt. Give us a longing to be in your presence and with your loved ones and our loved ones. I pray for any that are here this morning that have never placed faith and trust in Christ. May today be the day in which they recognize their need of a Savior and trust in Jesus' death for them and resurrection for them. And Lord, give us no peace about the uncertainty of our loved ones. Give us a tactful boldness in real, genuine, sincere concern. Reach out to them and offer them the good news that after death, there's life for those who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Bless us today, in Jesus' name, amen.